0: This week on Back of the Bird, presented by Cottage Springs, we dive into Bell Let's Talk Day. The last week scores in the NLL, including a big riptide win. Dive into some lionized supplements. Sean Evans hitting 800 assists and a great interview with Mitch Palau. So, without further ado, here it is Back of the Bird. full I want to give a major shout out to a friend of the program and former professional hockey player Boston Levi for the intro music we changed it up that is thief by Boston Levi from his ep prophecies without further ado let's jump into back of the bird all right we're back episode 36 back of the bird presented by cottage springs before we get into the episode we are juiced up we have re-signed with cottage springs the best vodka soda company vodka waters vodka lemonades that you will find on the market in Canada, if you can get out, try them. You will be coming back for more. We get DMs every week about these guys. But Polly,
1: what's going on, brother? How are we? Um, you know what? Not great. But then <laughs> so this listen, listen like terrible weekend, obviously, for the Nighthawks and blah blah blah. So you want to talk about to make your weekend worse? Give it to me. Fly out. Um, Saturday morning from Rochester to Philadelphia, land, go back to the hotel, start taking my stuff out. And I was wearing a team issued hoodie and I had everything. It has like a little kangaroo pouch. So I take my wallet out, take my cell phone out. Where's my passport? Okay, I must have put it in my suit bag, go into my suit bag. It's not there. Dump my suit bag out. It's not there. Got a backpack, dump the old backpack out. And I'm obviously getting more anxious and starting to freak out a little bit. Yeah. It's nowhere, it's nowhere to be seen. So instant freak out. Uber back to Philadelphia airport, like get there a, and I'm calling them too. And I'm like trying to start this like lost and found process on AA.com, blah, 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 blah. Get there. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I think I left my passport on the airplane. It was gate F13, whatever. This lady calls. She's like, oh, sorry. Like, they just, they pulled back. Like, I'm like, okay, no worries. Like, yeah, just, you know what? Just follow the, file the complaint or not the complaint, but file the lost and found thing. Honestly, they'll probably find it. I'm like, okay, no problem. I track this airplane to Richmond, Virginia. I find (laughs) out what gate it's at. I call Richmond, Virginia. I'm like, hey, you just had a plane land from Philadelphia at get, Gate F9. I think I left my passport on there. Can you just call? No, sir. Sorry, we cannot do that. Blah blah blah. You just need to file out, file this lost and found report on AA.com. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> this, I just need you to call down to the gate. Anyways, then I couldn't figure out where it went next, so I followed. I followed the thing. Blah blah blah. Then, then your mind's spinning, right? And I'm like, okay, hey, maybe I left it in Rochester. So I call back to Rochester. I'm like, hey, have you guys found a passport? Nope. And like, anyways, if we did, we give it to the sheriff's office. I call the sheriff's office. I'm like, you guys find a passport? Nope. Anyways, I'm like, hey, fuck it. Can't deal it now. Got to play a game. Have a nap, whatever. We play a game. Game goes as it goes, which makes things worse. And then fly out the next morning and i don't have a passport so i'm just like i mean they're gonna let me back in canada but i just don't really know what's gonna happen at the border because we flew back to roch
0: oh okay
1: so i'm just like well whatever i'm like boys if you don't hear from me there i got pulled in i'm in jail or whatever so anyways get through it was like like it was so funny like she's like hey do you have your passport i'm like no actually i i I lost i left on the airport at the airplane she's like why would you leave it on the airplane I'm that like, was your it, question back <laughs> yeah i'm like i didn't want to leave it on the airplane lady like I, I i figured that was a good spot for it yeah so anyway she's like yeah no problem but you know you have to like file it i'm like yes i think the airport found it." blah blah Did you get it back story's still going so okay. i get an email on we're recording wednesday night. i get an email monday night from american airlines hey paul just uh know, quick update we haven't found your item but we'll keep looking blah blah blah. so i'm like all right that's disappointing but least least it sounds like i'm in the system i'm in the i'm in the gulag they know they know i got something missing so i'm like and i talked to when i landed in russia i talked to the guy i'm like hey did you guys find a passport he's like no i'm like i think i left on a plane he's like listen like honestly man if it and i'm like it went to richmond virginia he's like honestly if it didn't go to a hub, they'll get sent back to Dallas. Like you gotta wait like three or four days. I'm like, okay, that's what I figured, but at least I got like an idea here. So then whatever, let like Tuesday go after getting that email. So today I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make a couple calls. Call old Rochester again. Hey, you guys find a passport? Nope. Call the sheriff's office. Nope. I'm like. I'll call this Richmond number because I never got a hold of anyone in Richmond actually. I got a hold of the airport, but not the lost and lost baggage. So call them. I'm like, hey, any chance you guys got a passport? And I don't know. Let me go check the safe. No. Yeah, we got one here. What's your name? Paul Douglas Dawson. Yeah, it looks like you got blue eyes, blonde hair, born September 6th. I'm like, yeah, that's me so no fucking back. way yeah, man. Fuck, no, man so no wonder you were fucking beating the shit out
0: of Randy at the end of the game you're all stressed because yeah. of your passport i was
1: asking where my passport was <laughs> give it
0: back give yeah. it back john
1: yeah so yeah that, i mean yeah that probably did have something to do with it so sorry to johnny Rannigan, but i lost my passport so i was, I was fired up but he that's, got it back uh,
0: what a journey what a tracking man i mean you don't want to ever do Polly wrong because he will fucking hunt you yeah. down jesus yeah.
1: that's so, uh anyways so that was how the weekend go but it's positive and now we uh hey we're turning it around but other than that um yeah man doing okay good. just Long, long-winded long story, but I Long thought,
0: story long? He yeah. found his passport and things are good. Did they send it back to you?
1: No. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bore you with this story, but that was a whole other gong show too. So I'm like, yeah, can you just mail it out? She's like, nah, you need to like FedEx me a return thing. And I was trying to set up this account on FedEx. Oh, it was a whole... It was a whole... Dude. I, it worked out. So she, she ended up getting... Anyways, I almost lost it on the FedEx tech support because i couldn't I set up this profile time. oh dude no dude my dog was playing with a bone and my son was crying <laughs> <I> was <laughs> this about, is a movie scene yeah man. and i'm on like speaker phone and the tech support's kind of giving me attitude and i'm just i was ready to flip my my table i was like everything was going wrong but anyways it all worked out so it was good
0: so you're good so yeah. uh, other than that all things considered not bad yeah,
1: we're good we're good we're good well, um how you do well hey you know what let's get back how you doing
0: dude i am good spirits? yeah exactly let's get off the negative Fuck chain me.
1: to you baby
0: yeah spirits are high obviously just been uh yeah cleared to practice which is which is exciting i mean i think there's still still a little bit of a process here to go but it's uh yeah, this was, I mean, at the end of the day, this was kind of the motivation to get back was like, fuck, I just need to be around the boys again. Like, you, I need to, I need to find something to do on the weekends. I've been hanging around my place having too many cottage springs, I think. So it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting to be back, like, just to, to get back in routine. Today, I was fucking buzzing around, like, I'm dropping my suits off, booking a haircut, like, I'm, you know, chest pumped out like just kind of a little
1: haircut you got a good haircut guy yeah
0: it could be the last one ever so uh <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh yeah i don't know yeah, i got my buddy ali dude i swear to god this guy so my buddy recommended this guy he's over at mapleview mall like the barbershop in there and yeah. it's I, like it's like a men's one like you go yeah, in yeah, like yeah. yeah like do the shave of the neck or whatever i swear to god this man treats my head like, like a, like a hibachi hot stove. Like he's like, no, he's not even cutting my hair. He's just like, like slapping me upside the head. Yeah. I'm like getting all spun around, but um, yeah, he does a great job. And he always says he's like, he, and he's kind of, you know, a man of thin hair himself. Um, yeah. So we, we, you know, we throw our one liners back and forth at each other. And um, he's, you know, he knows how to kind of dress it up and put, put the lipstick on the pig to make it not look <laughs> as bad. So yeah, um, yeah man it's exciting i th-
1: and i fuck i just checked the itinerary i got my own room this weekend Are you kidding me I just, so, a, I just had a meeting with danny mac and uh, that's he just said so that's hey can it get any better you get your own room who's who's let's got go. it
0: better than us who's got hey, it better than us so let's yeah, go i'm uh yeah i'm excited man it's it's just gonna be nice just to get back into Literally
1: even just my- to go practice dude just to get yeah. out there and run with other than like a stick yourself. in my
0: hands and exactly. like shoot the shit with the guys do a dynamic warm-up like i mean when you when the game kind of gets taken away from you like it's not you know sure you miss playing but it's like you know that kind of stuff is just i felt like a kid outside in the rain looking through the window like even just being in the group text like reading all the stuff and i'm on the outside yeah. of the inside jokes and you know even just kind of like seeing the boys get the first win next last weekend it's like fuck me i wish i was there you know so Hopefully we can keep that train rolling, but I'm, yeah, I'm excited. It's uh it's going to be good. So, I mean, I don't know if we, Donnie, do we have the score? Can you pull up the scores from, from last week maybe? And then we'll just kind of, we had a nice long chat. Um The, the interview this week is with Mitch Belisle, which, which was awesome. Um, So maybe we'll kind of buzz through uh buzz through, you know, hearing our banter back and forth too, but um maybe we'll kind of start it off the top with the, with the scores from last weekend. Maybe leave a couple of them off. Yeah, just two games.
2: So, uh, Georgia, on Friday, Georgia beat uh, someone 12-8. Jesus Christ, Darn, Um... what do we just (laughs) say? Wait, was that you guys?
1: Georgia (laughs) beat
0: someone.
1: (laughs) That is Kenny. You can say it. It's fine. It's learning.
2: Okay, Philly beat someone 18-10 the next day. And then uh, Riptide – beat philly 13 to 12 on sunday and dude i didn't i didn't know the games yeah those are the games uh yeah i'm seeing on yeah
0: yeah uh yeah i think so
1: yeah it was just three because now Uh, go ahead
0: paulie completely like i'm thinking you when you said when you told me you had a double header i'm thinking you go friday sunday you got slapped with a friday saturday yeah man and, and in the midst of that, you're having the most anxiety-ridden nap of all time without a passport.
1: There was no nap, buddy. Yeah. No nap. Quick, quick lay down and just, yeah. I mean, so, and again, I, I don't know if, I, I think I said this before, because then, like, I lost my passport in, in Greek two years ago. In Greece. Or no, Greek. sorry. In, <laughs> actually, it was in Germany on my oh, way to yeah. on my way to Greece. But uh now, I remember when the lady, when I got that, she's like, "Don't lose this again, or you're like, you're flagged." So now I'm just like, Oh, "Now you're flagged." No, I'm not flagged because I never told my lost this one yet, so it's good. And uh-huh. hopefully, the government of Canada doesn't listen to the back of the bird. But essentially, if you lose your podcast, or oh, <laughs> <laughs> you lose your podcast twice, yeah, and you just you blow this
2: podcast, up. Paul. We're yeah. all gonna be
1: pissed. All right, all right.
0: Oh my god! If that's the reason we got taken down. <laughs>
1: if you lose your passport twice i don't know how many years but i'm assuming losing it twice in three years isn't great that you have to reapply every year and there's like a whole process so could you imagine trying to apply for uh, a passport every year anyways it doesn't have to happen now my wife bought me a brand new beautiful crossbody fanny pack that's gonna be my travel and keep everything in there don't put it anywhere else. You So you're
0: here. Yeah. You, you've been eyeing this crossbody fanny pack. Probably yeah. you just, you just lost your passport on purpose. So you had yeah. an excuse. She said it, it was super,
1: she said it was super expensive. So couldn't afford it this year. So yeah, I just did the old fake loose passport, made her buy it for me.
0: Love it. I love it. That's too good. But dude, hell of a weekend coming up here.
1: Yeah. The world, world record, the world record, most lacrosse games ever seven. That's uh
0: that's going to be a complete madhouse across the all distribution platforms, but it's uh dude. Awesome. Like huge, huge for the game flipping back and forth. Like it. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's going to be great. So it's gets me going. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. I think now, you know, again, even like for us, like obviously it's tough going five weeks, six weeks of the game going to doubleheader, but now it's like, this is the part where it's like, this is nice. Now you kind of playing every week. Now I think we have one more bye week but it's like, now you can fully get into the routine, right? Obviously there's might be some hiccups along the way, but it's like, you know, you're playing every week. So you can kind of really dial in your week to week, your game prep and stuff like that. So it'll be nice to kind of just play games, you know, and, and just kind of see where the season season takes us.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. It's, uh, I'm hearing, this, I guess, cause, well, because our our game next, not this weekend, next weekend in Halifax just got postponed. Um, but I'm hearing some some information that it may still be played or something. So somewhere else, um, yeah, a different site or something like well, that.
1: So, I mean, that's well,
0: they have to do that. They have to start doing that, right?
1: Yeah, because this is what the fourth is the third game for sure. It's been postponed in Halifax. Well,
0: we've had two, I think, because we were supposed to play them like right after okay. Christmas.
1: So, cause I know like we rescheduled ours, but we're, we're in Rochester for the game against that. We lot uh, miss against Calgary, oh, but yeah, okay. but eventually like, well, that's the thing, right? Like we can't, cause I don't think we can push the season later. Right. So we got to figure out how to make up these dates. So again, like if the, you know, regulations aren't going to change in Halifax and yeah, they're going to have to kind of figure out where that is. And, you know, hopefully they can play it at at a, a neutral site that's good Does
0: yeah that but what do you sense? do do you do it neutral site in ontario with no fans or do you do it neutral site in the states
1: neutral, I, i'm i'm thinking neutral site in the states like that's why i said somewhere good
0: <laughs> cuz <'Cause, laughs> that's a good point that's cuz
1: ontario's point. shit
0: well, i don't know buddy those truckers they're going to save us yeah Jeez. they're going to get us out of this who knows but don't uh,
1: blow me eight donnie's don't. his eyes twitching no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're not doing it. Um, today's also a pretty big day. Um, obviously we're, like you said, we're recording Wednesday. I don't even, I can't keep track of the days, but, um, bell let's talk day, which is, is it's an interesting day this year around, I think based on, uh, you know, obviously like kind of the state of the world and everyone's kind of going through some stuff. It's also a little bit of an interesting day from bell's perspective. Um, you know, with, taking all these kind of COVID payments from the government last year, like in the excess of a hundred million dollars and then laying off like a 300 employees or something the day after bell, let's talk Day last year. So I don't know. It's just, it's tough. I, the way I kind of see it is like, I I'm almost like pumping that hashtag out and stuff just to like say, fuck you. Cause they, now they have to pay all this money out, you know, but it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of an absolute scumbag move on their part, but.
1: But Still a great a, day. Still a great day to chat about this stuff. But it's in a bit of a juxtaposition, I tell you. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Honestly, I, I've been uh <laughs> again, not not to get too far deep into it, but uh, you know, every year kind of not blindly, but pump out the hashtag and you know, make a post because I, I truly believe in mental health and, you know, being an emergency service worker, like you see it and I truly believe that it's nice that it's getting talked about and, and there's funding, but yeah, this, like you say, this one does feel a little bit different and it's kind of like, uh, is it, are they doing it for the right reasons or not? Right. Like it's still nice that there's a day, but it's like, now it kind of feels like, you know, we don't need just this day. We need, you know, we don't need to have a Bell's let's talk to anymore we need to have like a let's talk day, but not bell to be a part of it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. If I'm, I another, too- if I'm another company, I'd be, fu- I'd be hijacking the shit out of it.
1: Yeah. But
0: if I'm Rogers, and- are you kidding me? Rogers let's talk day would be absolutely hilarious. If they just launched something like that, but I don't yeah. know. If but I don't, a, remember when I just day. said, remember when I just declared that somebody, what did I say? That, ML, or the soccer team was owned by MLSC or something. I think yeah, you said yeah.
2: that. I think you said the Raptors. Said, no, the it was Raptors the blue Jays. Yeah.
0: And I was just so inc- incredibly incorrect, but, um, but yeah, great day. I mean, whatever, ton of money raised for a good cause. Um, but yeah, talk about it all year. That's the biggest thing. And I, I don't know if on, from my perspective on that, on this, on that side of stuff, I've kind of gotten like sick of the like narrative hearing over and again, like nobody's alone, you know, you can kind of do this together. Like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Cause they just feel like catch lines, you know Mm -hmm. Um, I think giving at least like, even if it's like personal experience of kind of like what you've gone through and like what's worked or like something like that, like then it could just spark an idea rather than just seeing 20,000 tweets of saying like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's like, all right you know i got it i don't feel good and i know it's okay to not feel good but like you know what's worked for you or what you know yeah. what can i do or whatever what are some lifestyle changes you know yeah so, how
1: do i get out of the hole or how do i yeah you know maybe never feel okay but like how do i deal with this not being okay
0: i'm yeah. glad it's like, i'm glad yeah, it's
1: okay but yeah thank you life. for telling
0: me thank you for giving me permission to feel shit but like yeah. what's well, you say know, what can it, i do
2: it's the same thing as the people that say correctly that mental health is no different than regular health. It's like, okay, I agree with you, and it, it is true. But like, okay, so like, where's my medicine? Where's my healthcare? Like, yeah, you know what? What can I actually do about it? Just recognizing that isn't enough. So, I mean, it's a bigger topic, but I, I'm with you guys. And um, even if you don't support the organization today, um, support the initiative. And yeah, exactly. And That's reach out to the people that that are in your life.
1: That's a great point. And uh yeah, it's just yeah. That's it. No, had, it's
2: just you had another juxtaposition in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you I'm gonna, just gonna just say right.
1: juxtaposition? <laughs> I you know, nah, no, not. it's just like it's crazy because again, like, you know, it is important and like just you know, before getting into the whole COVID thing, it's like I remember someone being like, you know, next, Bell, let's talk. We'll see if the government like steps up, but it's like you know, this whole thing might be worse for mental health than, like, any other thing, right? But we never really touched on that. It's just, anyways. It's, uh like you say, support the initiative if you don't want to support the company. But, again, the initiative is is great. And it's good to, again, talk about these things. And, again, I know from, from experiences, like, in, in emergency services, again, talking about experiences and stuff like that definitely helps. So, again, like... And I think that's where the whole like let's talk is is not just saying, Hey, yeah, it's I'm not feeling good, or hey, it's okay if you don't feel good or you know, you're feeling shitty. But it's like this one time this happened, I did this, this is how I got out of it. Right. And I yeah. think and I think that's kind of the one thing that's helped with this let's talk is people are more adept to be like talk about these dark times that they've gone through. So um yeah.
0: I like it. And yeah, well, I think one of the things that can drastically improve mental health, a little bit of exercise. How are we going to recover from our exercise, Polly?
1: I tell you, first thing you're going to do is you're take the ishkoda. Yeah. Because I took that the other day and I was absolutely buzzing in my underground gym. I will find yeah. an underground gym. You can't keep me out of the gyms.
0: No, you but, can't.
1: But uh, yeah, no, it was great, man. You're obviously going to take the Lion Eyes. You're going to get on there. So my code hasn't been working, but I just got confirmation. The code's working. So it's Paul 20. It's Dan 20. Do everyone you want. Again, they got the new products. They got the multivitamins. They had the creatine. Still got the green. Still got the protein. You got the vegan protein now. Mm-hmm. And we got the two different pre-workouts. So you want to get a little more fired up? You take dish coda. Got the caffeine. If you don't want to get fired up, just stay with the old Nimki. Yeah. So, and then we still got the BCAs, EAAs. Get on that stuff because it's dynamite. Those guys are awesome. So,
0: it, I think it gets you healthy in a hurry. Five, where's
1: I'm at. Well, I'll five months. If you don't months, want, if you're not going to be the poster boy of fucking.
0: Of B, I am Mr. BCAA right now. I'm a human EAA.
1: You literally it repaired a goddamn Achilles tendon in two weeks, it seems like. So.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, six days total. I've been on the shelf <laughs> and now I'm back. So, um i honestly i'm all for it. let's keep pushing these games out because i've only missed five can you imagine only missing yeah. like seven eight games yeah imagine you play a 12 game season oh Jesus. fuck if that, i think that might beat my career high i know That's awesome that'd <laughs> so, be crazy Um, uh, what i'm trying well i'm just looking through the list here what else we kind of well i'll send to a, I,
1: again, it i again and kind of a a crappy weekend for uh for us nighthawks but it, uh uh kind of a cool milestone for uh one of our teammates and a, a two-time guest of back of the bird sean evans two-time he guest had, never aired <laughs> yeah he got 800 uh career assists in that philly game so again kind of you know i was talking to someone about my brothers being second all time it's just the amount of points these guys have is is crazy like this guy has 800 assists like i think in practices and <laughs> games and everything I don't have 800 assists like passing it in like passing drills I don't have 800 assists so. I don't
0: know if I've got 800 catches in, in all things <laughs> yeah.
1: like so just crazy but yeah congrats to Shawnee um, again, one of, the, one of the best to ever do it so kind of a cool little milestone for him so just want to send him a send him a congrats yeah and on a much much heavier shittier note we
0: fucking lost all our net worth in crypto eh <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, crypto's all crashing. So Shiba, I just it's funny as you say that. Um, I gotta get an email from the old server just like, hey Paul, uh, Shiba news down five percent in the last three hours. I'm oh, like, no. why why is that getting sent to me? But I think uh,
0: mine might mine might
1: legitimately go to zero,
0: like I might go to zero dollars. Like I might watch a stock go literally my money be flushed out in the toilet
1: it's so funny because the amount of guys that are in crypto so that was like i show up to the rink on tuesday and everyone's just like yeah crypto's crashing like and then the funny thing is the amount of guys who just like re-upped and crippled the crypto in the last week and just like god damn it fuck
0: dude uh, i was in this one that it got up to 38 cents and i'm looking right now and it's at nine cents <laughs> So that's legitimately almost zero. So that was a nice little flush down the toilet. But um, I'm trying to think what else we got here before. Um, I know I like the little best places to play. Maybe we'll touch on that quick. Um, I mean, college across cool atmospheres. I've seen Loyola was sick. They. Like I think when they play Hopkins or something, it's like a really big game. When we played at Maryland, give Donnie a shout out. That was pretty fun. They did. They do well. They do well because they get a lot of kids, right? Like, and like those kids are just like
1: cheering the whole time. They like is is Maryland the one where they have like the grassy knoll? Like the one side's all grass? No, that's Virginia. Virginia. Oh, okay. Notre
2: Dame uh, has that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and those are sick too. But like, I don't know, there was something like when we played there, like. Dude, kids are screaming, like, screaming at Rambo, like, trying to hang out with them, like, and I don't know, it's um, pretty cool, but I don't know. What do you think, Donnie? Is there anyone that pops out to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, aside from, like, Maryland and Cornell, uh coolest one for me is Syracuse. Um, obviously, like, growing up where we grew up, that was one of the big schools that I'm sure, like, everyone's been to a game there. Uh, playing in the Dome is a pretty, like, cool experience for the first time, and also the visiting locker room set up there is pretty nice, so. Uh, we're actually going back to this year, so that, that'll be pretty fun. Um, that's probably the – and playing – I played at Navy my freshman year in the playoffs. It was cool because it was a playoff game, but Navy's a pretty sweet place to play too. It's also the hottest place on earth. Um, it's fun. I've been there twice, and it was like the hottest day of my life both times. I, that That's – the bubble was there, right?
0: Yeah, my cleats are still – my cleats are still melted to the turf. It's like
2: there. unbelievable. I don't know what is going on with that place. That field is like the hottest place I've ever been.
1: Yeah. So are, Navy's in Annapolis? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea where Navy, the Navy, school Navy was. I know where the Navy is it's on the water, but I didn't know where the Navy is. Yeah.
2: There was. you go. And <laughs> uh, Severna, <laughs> Severna Park, where uh, Mitch Belial is from, will come up in the interview, is basically in Annapolis. So he's from right there. Got it. Um, oops.
0: Trying to think. So what else? What else have we got? What's, Polly? What's, I saw a little bit of an Instagram story out of you.
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we'll, how we'll work this out. But, uh, yeah, a buddy of mine, um, actually my ex-junior hockey goalie, Chris Hike, absolute beauty. Um, he started a clothing company called Tarps Apparel. And he's Actually, it was him and another guy that I played junior against, but he just uh, bought that guy out. Anyways, long story short, he's been kind of – he contacted me. just like he wants to kind of do a crossover – Of hockey and lacrosse like it's uh it's a really cool clothing line so it's like uh it's kind of lulu-esque like it's like casual where you could like go to the gym but then also you could go to the patio and stuff like that again it's it's made for the boys and it's like four-way stretch and all that so anyways he sent me a bunch of products he sent me um a couple pairs of shorts couple pairs of pants some t-shirts and a sweater and the stuff is uh is super legit so if you go to their Instagram, it's tarps apparel. And then they got their website actually on their Instagram and they got a promo code right now. You get 10% off. So 10 off at, on any purchases. And I think if you spend over 80 bucks, you get free shipping too. And the one good thing is like, if you like Lulu and stuff like that, it's it's not that expensive stuff. Like it's not as expensive as Lulu, but kind of the same quality and a little bit more like uh hipsterish, I would say the pants are kind of hipsterish but uh yeah, so far I like it. So uh yeah, I'll, I'll put some more uh Instagram stories with the old t-shirts on and you're
0: uh, gonna yeah, you're gonna have to do the the model ones. I think that'll get the people going.
1: Yeah, and I'll do it with Mac now and Mac's just an absolute truck, so it'll be funny to see him this time. What a I'll specimen. La- won't even be able to carry him this time, but yeah, I'll try my best. He won't fit in the mirror, he's too big.
0: I love it.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah nice. so yeah, go check those guys out again. So he's Hockey player, but he's trying to get into the cross world, too. So, uh, yeah, and he, he's an absolute beauty. So tarps apparel. And then, yeah, 10 off. It's a promo code, and that gets you 10% off all, all your orders. Wow. So check them out. What do you say? Should we send it over
0: to Belisle here?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. All right. Well, as they all are, this interview is brought to you by Lucky Penny Media. At Lucky Penny Media, we're a full-service marketing company without, without hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you. And when working together, it means everything to us. You're more than just a client. You're a partner and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. So here he is, Mitch Bilot.
1: All right, now we're pleased to uh, welcome on. He was an offensive midfield in high school before he switched to a long pole where he went to Cornell University. He led the Big Red to the final floor as a captain, earned first-team All-American honors, and was named the Division I Defenseman of the Year. He was also elected to the Sphinx Sphinx Head Society, the oldest (laughs) senior society at Cornell. We'll have to get into that one. Once in the professional leagues, he excelled in the MLL, the Boston Cannons, but more importantly, in the NLL. He played for the New York Titans, Boston Blazers, where he was an all-star, Minnesota Swarm, he also played for Team USA in a couple world championships. He has then switched over to from playing to be one of the best color guys in the sport today. Please welcome to Back of the Bird, Mitch Belay. What's up, buddy? So fired up to be here. It's going to be weird listening to my favorite podcast and being on it. Hey, that's, that's what we do. We try and make dreams come true on this podcast. You know? <laughs> Appreciate you taking pity on me and inviting me on.
0: <laughs> fantasy camp. It's fantasy camp week here. <laughs> That's awesome. What's so what's going on, buddy? How are you?
3: Great. Looking forward to uh you know another another week seeing there. Hopefully the riptides continue to climb. Hopefully the uh, we won't talk too much nighthawks, and no. they'll get back on back on track here shortly after a tough weekend.
1: For sure. Yeah, we were just talking. So
3: you're uh you're living in New Jersey nowadays? I'm in West Orange, New Jersey. Yep, living the suburban, suburban dream. Got a five-year-old and a three-year-old and well, you know house for the yard and all that good stuff
1: Boy, pick a fence or no
3: no fence far cry uh, right. no dog no dogs and no fence needed but far cry from our boston blazers den Yeah, which i can't wait to i can't wait just thinking about the stories of that place
1: oh <laughs> he's got, got the gonna, juice got the juices going <laughs> you think we're gonna get into that on this podcast <laughs> we, we might have to talk about <laughs> yeah, it briefly yeah. oh dude that's awesome uh yeah so i mean well I guess yeah, we'll start kind of at the beginning because, fuck man, it's been a long time since obviously like me and you played together, including those Boston Blazers day. But you're you're a Massachusetts guy, right? Is that originally where you're from?
3: Yeah, my dad was in the Coast Guard, so we we bounced around a little bit. But I was half Maryland and half Massachusetts. So when I was really young, I was Massachusetts, and then like Maryland was where I first started playing lacrosse, and then and then and then moved to Massachusetts for eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. And that's where I kind of like was like, okay, maybe hockey is the path for me. Um, And lacrosse was was relatively new. We were in Cape Cod, which is kind of way out east. And um, lacrosse took a backseat there. And then when I moved back to Maryland for 11th, to 12th grade, lacrosse was like the the sport in the town. So then I realized I had much more opportunity to play lacrosse in college. And I did hockey when I was, you know, the hockey state player of the year in Maryland. I'm not a very good hockey player, as (laughs) most of you guys probably know. You're the state player of the year, though. I was, yeah. Oh, Yvonne LeBray Award. Holy fuck. Let's go. Whoa, was, what there, was, there,
0: was there only four other players playing in Maryland?
3: <laughs> it was a small community. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who cares? That one's That's a nice one to put up in the old shrine, though, yeah. state player of the year.
3: I'll be honest. My senior year of high school hockey might have been the fun, most fun sports I've ever played. We had this uh, tiny rink that was like probably two-thirds the size of a normal NHL rink. And there was like three rows of benches and that's it in the, in the arena. And the high school kids would pack it every night when we'd play games, it was a club sport. So no, there was no administration there. And like guys would just come and, and, you know, be, be enjoying themselves in the, in the stands and like hanging over the glass and grabbing at the other team. It was, it was like a wild atmosphere and a ton of fun. We just, we had a blast playing it.
1: That's like an old school, like sounds like an old school junior a barn in, in Canada, like smaller than like a normal ring. So you go on and just get waxed because you can't go anywhere. Oh. Teams usually bigger, just abusing everybody. <laughs> and you just run around, just pile driving guys into the oh. corner. It was okay. awesome. Uh, Good why, memories. That's why
0: Paulie's. Uh, that's why Paulie's jersey's in the in One of those arenas. Arrived <laughs> at those places.
1: Exactly. I use my stick more than my body. <laughs> Didn't even move your feet. No, nah, exactly. I was, I was a classic, just hook on and go for the water ski all the way into the corner, <laughs> and just pin you there for five minutes So someone else got the puck. Full, full shot clock. <laughs> so you kind of just said it. So you started like, when did you start playing the cross in mass? So I started in Maryland, probably seventh, okay. sixth or seventh grade. Um,
3: you know, but it was like a rec league for fun and then got up to, to mass. And it was like the high school team. We actually started the high school team at Bourne high school. My parents were pretty, pretty instrumental in that like booster club raising money. And we actually played on an air force base. There'd be like F 18s taking off right next to us. Our coach would have to like pause practice for 10 yeah. minutes. While we we're always trying to like, let's let this jet take off and then we'll get back into it. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of a bad news bear situation, but we had a lot of fun with it. And then, we moved down to maryland it was like a whole new whole whole nother world and we competed for three or two state championships back to back my my junior and senior year
1: that's unreal and then so i'm guessing that in mass that's where you're the offensive midfielder and you get to maryland East thing <laughs> a long pull is that is that how she works
3: surprisingly i I stuck with offensive MIDI through high school too, but I think it was just sheer <laughs> grit and determination um, that was carrying me most of the way it was, it was pretty much a first or second practice at Cornell where coach Sam Brown was like, why don't you head down there with the D middies for a little bit and then over winter break, they're like, you should probably try playing wall ball with a long pole over winter break and came back and the rest is history.
1: Uh, Jeez, dude, that's hilarious. What a
0: call. That's a, I mean, yeah, what a call by the coach to put that in your hand over winter break. So you played your entire first semester with a short stick in your hand. Playing, were you playing D mid mostly that whole semester?
3: Yeah, fall. Yeah, fall semester was D mid, and then freshman year was was on the defense scout team and never touched the field once my freshman year. And then uh, and then sophomore year they're like, well, looks like we got no one else on the depth chart, so <laughs> go ahead, Mitch, you're in there.
1: That's awesome. So. Then, so how do you get to Cornell then?
3: I, I had, uh, I was super lucky. I had the, the head coach my junior year at Sverna Park was this crazy guy named Pilati. He was like, uh, I think he was in mortgages and and just a really great guy. And he, he knew I had good grades and he just saw that my work ethic and saw how, how competitive I was. And he was all in coach's ears and, and Tambroni specifically for whatever reason he like gotten, Jeff Tambroni's year, and said, you got to take a look at this kid. You got to take a look at this kid. And then I did one recruiting showcase in Maryland between my junior and senior year. And I had really just a really good, uh, a good showing and performed well. And that kind of got me on the radar of a couple spots. And I visited five, actually, this was back when you took like real official visits. I took five official visits. It was the best five weeks of my entire life. Um, go and stay a full weekend with a college team and they, you know, they take you out and you have a lot of fun. So Cornell was the first one. And right after that Cornell trip, I was like, I'm going to Cornell, but this was so much fun. I might as well do it four more weekends in a row. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then right after that fifth one, I, I told Tim Brown, I was like, I'm, I'm coming here. This is where I want to be. That sounds and, good.
0: Yeah. That's what's uh, for the for the listeners out there. What was the SAT score? Like let's hear it.
3: Oh, what is, this is back in the days of 1600 only because now I think they got three parts to it. I think it was yeah. uh, 13, 13 something, 1310, 14, 14, 14, 10. It was fourteen ten. That sounds right. Well, That's
1: yeah. hilarious. You want to, you want to hear a funny story? Uh, <laughs> Always. <laughs> love to, love to. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so um, back when, you know, I thought I kind of the same thing. I thought I was a hockey player and it was going to go D1. I wrote my SATs four times. And same thing, it was in, because we're the same age, right? You're in 85, Mitchie? Yeah. Yeah. So it was the same thing, whatever, In the like you said, the 60. So we were probably being compared in the same, you know, the same Scantron at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So I I probably helped you. I probably helped you get the Cornell because yeah. I wrote it four times. Now, granted, I improved every time 910, 920, 940, and topped it off with a 960. Four, steady improvement. That's <laughs> all you can ask for. Isn't it like Have isn't
0: it like a thousand to get through clearing house?
1: I think if you write your name, you get a thousand points.
0: <laughs> I your name
1: wrong. I was gonna ask what you got on the other part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the fourth one, my dad's like, dude, are you like what are you even doing i'm like ah it's just a tough test man you know i just can't I just can't get through i think yeah i think you just didn't take it enough times
0: you put six <laughs> or seven more times on there you're going to the ivy league
1: i ran out of time that's all <laughs> happened oh man so where were the other um before we get into cornell because obviously like we got another big red alumni is our producer donnie he wants to dive in and i i kind of want to dive into because cornell is obviously you know historic school and all that but where were the other five where were the other four schools you went to go visit
3: So I, I actually looked at Air Force Academy and that was one of the cooler trips because at the time they were undefeated in football and Notre Dame was undefeated in football and they played the weekend I was there wow. and college game day was there and it was the most lame pre-game and post game ever before <laughs> that and I was like well oh, it's pretty sweet but yeah you know, I don't think this is the college experience I'm looking for yeah. um, but I looked at uh, Dartmouth, And that was a great time. I looked at Lehigh, which I was very close to going to Lehigh. And then I went to Loyola in Maryland, which was uh, an
1: interesting experience as well. Okay, awesome. So, obviously, like you say, you choose Cornell. And then, you know, that first year you say you don't play. And then become they give you the long pole. And then you kind of start excelling at long pole. And then, you know, obviously, like you kind of mentioned before, even like when I played with you in Boston, like your work ethic was always something kind of separates you apart, like from other players and, and stuff like that. Um, What, like, what after taking that long pole kind of like what made you like successful and kind of take it to that next level?
3: Yeah, man, I think it's crazy, but it probably, but the biggest, by by far the biggest influence on my Cornell trajectory was the death of George Boyardi, who was number 21. And um, he was a senior, my freshman year and so the third game of the season he got hit in the chest with a shot in a game and had commotion cordis and passed away and the you know it was like a crazy turning point for the entire program um but we rallied around it and i think that drove so much of how ha- like actually that that's a poem about george and there's like a you know i've got my son's name george there's just a long deep and rich history of kind of how that impacted our program. And and Jonathan could probably talk about how it's still kind of going today. Um, But that was a huge influence. I don't know that I would have had the success or we would have had the success had that not happened just because of how much of an impact it made on the culture, the program, us coming together. I mean, it's like a a life changing event that when you, you can go two ways and we went the way of like, let's honor George and let's honor what he was all about. You know, he was like one of the best, people in the, in the locker room. And so when you have someone like that pass away, honoring him is, makes everything easy and makes everything more important. And, um, so that, that, that really shaped, I think I always had a good work ethic. I always tried to work hard, but like when yeah. that becomes the, like the motivation and the reason behind it, it's even more, even more of a, of a reason to drive forward. I think.
1: Dude, that's, that's, since that happened
3: when you were there, he yeah, has my freshman year. Yeah. And he was, so he was a D MIDI. So that fall when I was playing D I was like following him around like a puppy dog in the weight yeah, room. Yeah. I was, you know, i like, this guy is the guy I want to be like, this is who I want to, yeah. this is who I want to follow and emulate. So it was uh, obviously a huge loss and the hardest thing in my life that I had to deal with in all of our lives. And, yeah. but we turned it into such a positive thing. I, I you know, it was, as as a tragedy as tragedies go, I think it it probably produced the best best thing it could have for me and for a lot of us that, that
1: got to know George. Dude, that's that's incredible. I didn't know that, man. That's amazing. Obviously, that's kind of cool. That's again, Donnie. If you want, you can kind of take over from here. But it's kind of cool that it's still, it didn't die. Like it kind of keeps going on too. That's that's incredible, man.
3: Well, there's a there's a
1: John Gordon is a
3: Cornell alum who wrote a book called The Hard Hat. And that's, it's a lot of teams read that book. And so I've gotten to talk to some teams about the hard hat book. Um, but it, it talks about just the lessons that Georgia imparted on the program and how that's continues to influence the culture of Cornell lacrosse and make an impact in the world today. So that's another cool way that it's continuing to impact generations beyond just Cornell lacrosse.
2: Yeah, that was going to be actually like my first question um, because, you know, it's kind of this cool thing where George is like a hero to so many of us now. And, you know, increasingly it happened a lot like longer and longer ago. So someone like myself, I never knew George, you know, most of our coach, very few of the people actually still in the program ever knew him or or talked to him, but he's still like a a hero for so many. So maybe I was just going to ask, like there's a cool story in the hard hat book about uh, you and George in the weight room together. Maybe you could just share like a few stories of kind of who he was I know like now we like to say he was the greatest teammate that ever lived which I think is a pretty incredible like way to look at it but maybe just like some anecdotes that come to mind that that make you think of like who he was
3: yeah I mean I think what one, one thing that uh it comes to mind is that we were playing we have uh, like a 30 yard by 45 yard indoor space where we do if it's like really like two three feet of snow then we'll go in there it's like the only time we go in there and we were doing a six on six practice and and george slid and knocked the guy out cold like i'm talking like arm straight out and you know that's just the style he would play but he was also the first one like kneeling down next to him making sure he was okay. (laughs) more or less i mean he was like right there and felt he was like shook because it was his teammate but at the same time he's the kind of guy that's going to slide like that every time and not hold back so i think that's like a good juxtaposition of how he was like the most intense competitor but also the teammate that would come to your side first um and then like on the lighter side like my recruiting trip actually uh we got we he drove like 20 of us back to north campus uh in his car because he wasn't drinking and We'd all been out watching another guy perform at this at this bar. He was a guitarist. And, and so he drives us home and we get pulled over. And the cop is like, all right, everybody out of the car. And like, literally like seven, nine, 15, 16 guys pile out of this car. And, you know, we're it's it's a college thing. And he's like, you know, you're OK, you're not drinking. You're fine. You guys walk. You're good. There, but just that's the kind of guy he was. He was not going to let anyone anyone walk in the cold Nithica. He's going to make sure everyone got home safe, and he drove them home. Um, so that's just the kind of person he was, on and off the field.
2: And then one of the coolest parts of the book mm-hmm. is the conversations that that team had about uh, whether or not to keep playing. And you know, it kind of goes into like you don't want to have it. To be, we're going to win for George because then it creates expectations. But maybe just to describe like for people who haven't read the book, what those conversations were like and what the rest of that season was like once you decided to keep playing.
3: So we were going to spring break right after that happened. And so we actually drove down, we were going to drive down, bus down to like UNC. We we're going to play UNC and we we're going to play Duke. And we drove to um, DC, which is George's hometown for his funeral. And then we kept driving and went to spring break. And we're kind of like, we'll see what happens down there. And I vividly, most, mostly remember a football game that we played where we we're just, everyone's kind of just getting back to somewhat normal. And we were we we're playing like a, a flag football game. And I think we all sat in the end zone and th- talked about like what do we want to do here and and you know do we want to keep playing lacrosse are are guys afraid to play lacrosse right now and that that it just kind of organically came out it's like we like if george was here he'd be like you better be playing like we want to play that's the competitor that he was he was but at the same time like you said that that win for him you can't you can only control so much in sports but if you give a boy already like effort you can control that every time so that was kind of the motto that was that was instilled in us and I think that was you talked about probably about like what drove you like that drove me you know I remember vividly working out and being like you know this is how George would have worked out this is how he would have prepared um and that's that's kind of what drove us and motivated us all the way up until made it to the final four my senior year so goddamn Zach Greer
0: I'm realizing uh after like obviously just to kind of you know on a lighter note i definitely wasn't qualified for the ivy league thing when you just use the word juxtaposition halfway through that story and i i just spent five minutes googling it because i'm putting that in the back pocket and i'm gonna use that my goal is to use that the next week here because that's like what a fucking word holy shit
1: do you want Han? do you want the meaning of it though you can't just use the word you know that <laughs> you need to know the meaning
0: no 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 i'm gonna be if you throw spaghetti at the wall it's bound to stick here in one of the sentences
3: <laughs> use it every every other weird every other sentence you'll be good
2: eventually
3: <laughs> oh, but sorry to interrupt you Donnie. And then, I mean, speaking
2: of the lighter note, one of the things I think is pretty cool that people don't know about George is that he was the president of the fraternity. So I just a question, like, did you live in the house in your upperclassmen years? And like, what was that like? Because like, we've talked about that, with like Zach Currier, their kind of experience at Princeton, but the houses at Cornell, I wasn't in one, kind of changed what the lacrosse players did, but like, they were pretty big. So I guess just kind of describe what that was like if you did live there.
3: I did live there. I was also the president of ATO at one point. Um, I was also, Pretty I think, sure. the final pre- the final president while the house was on campus before we got asked to leave, um, not so politely. <laughs> I mean, this place was like it, it is. It was straight up animal house, and it got worse and worse until we got kicked off. But I mean, at points there were holes big enough that you could walk through, like walk through holes in the walls. Guys would just punch a hole, and then <laughs> another guy would punch a hole. Eventually, <laughs> it was. I remember the fire marks came to a party once and he was like that is like that is the most this if if a fire broke out in this place like it would be an inferno in two seconds he's like i think that was ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back but yeah there's i could go on for hours about the ato stories i mean probably like if you just want a good like grimy how dirty was it it was like we would we would uh every day we would find a dead rat in the sink because people would do the dishes and like leave the water the rat would fall and then die in the sink so that's, that's like the level that we're talking every day.
2: <laughs> and how many guys would have been living in that house at a time?
3: I think there was like, uh, like 30, 25, 25, 30. It was like two floor. I mean, these, these are like, man, these are like, a, it's a mix of a dorm and a house. It's like a mansion. I'm trying to think. There's probably like six to eight bedrooms on each floor. Some are doubles. So probably, probably 20, 25. Wow. Yeah, it was a cesspool. Absolute cesspool. I mean, in the heyday, you know, you have you have party at the house, and then after hours, and yeah, it was it was a good time. It was like old school fraternity life. <laughs> On cameras did not exist then.
2: That would have been was, what, like your junior year, probably.
3: I believe it was junior year, so two thousand and six.
2: Wow. And then what we have, Polly kind of mentioned earlier, but like that two thousand seven year, you know, like something. A lot of Cornell guys, like most Cornell guys, you know, you get kind of one chance to really really get there so like what was that kind of run like and and what do you remember from that run
3: we had been knocking the door uh the year before i got to cornell they went to the quarterfinals that that the year so the year that george passed away we actually made it to the to the the quarterfinals as well and it was at Shulkoff and there's some really cool pictures actually i think no it's not up But there's there's a really like kind of famous Cornell picture of like the sea of red 21 jerseys in in Sholkoff as we're running out. We played Navy that year and it was an amazing game. It was like an eight-six game, but a great game. Um, and so we were like we're so close. And then I think we lost in the first round, and then we and then we went to the quarterfinals again. So we've been knocking at the door and then we actually played Albany in the quarterfinals and it went to overtime. And I just remember one of the plays that it, it was Max Siebald, like they had a fast break. And these are like, I think Corey small was on that team. Frank Rezaterich was on that team. Um, uh merrick thompson was on that Disney, team yeah, brett, yeah. brett queener brett queener was our goalie Jesus. um and and so i think it might even been like jordan levine was on that team someone had a, a fast break and i saw max sebald and i made eye contact and i'm like he's gonna catch him and max sebald trail checks and runs down we go down we score to go to the final four um and it was just like that, that just getting over that hump was like pandemonium and then being at the final four was such a cool experience that none of us had obviously no one in that locker room had ever done um so it was the dream you know obviously we wanted to win the championship but getting to the final four was like the first big step and to be able to do that and then you know I think most people remember the 2009 Cornell run more than more than the 2007 one but we were we were three seconds away from making that final game as well if it uh, if it wasn't for for Zach Greer
1: We'll stop bringing his name up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This guy's still still crushing it out there. And
2: then also I just wanted to share like a a cool story from my freshman year. You had gotten elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, This would have been the fall of 2017. And I guess you asked Coach Howley if you could work out with us. And you came in and did a workout with us. And it was snowing on Shokoff. We were running uh, 110s, 110-yard sprints. And then you came in the gym with us. And like we were all just like – Who's this lunatic out here running for fun? Like, you know, but maybe describe uh, one like what Coach Hallie means to you because he obviously was a big big reason why you wanted to come work out again, and then two, like what was that experience like getting elected to the the Cornell Hall of Fame?
3: Well, first of all, that that. That experience was like where I was like okay I'm done I'm no longer able to do this those those 110s like my hamstrings were, were about to explode <laughs> I was like that's it for me I think I think I'm done here um but no yeah Coach Alley he is he's as much of the heart and soul of Cornell Cross as any of the coaching staff and George Priority is kind of in that same vein just a legend this is our strength and conditioning coach and the guy is like the most positive upbeat um part of the program but just gets knows how to get the most out of the team and and just and just works you to the bone but but you always know that it's because he has a plan and a reason for it um but uh the hall of fame thing you know is is really special and you look at some of the guys that are in the cornell hall of fame and to be considered in that company is uh i I think a lot of the times that i don't really take the time to sit back and appreciate some of the things that i've been lucky enough to get to do in the sport and when you do you're like man that's uh, not many people get some of those experiences
2: yeah that was all pretty much all the questions i had just to pick up with something paulie asked if you want to talk about sphinx head um, yeah I'm also a member one. of sphinx head f- and Jesus. i'll let you i'll let you take the, the Sphinxes. Lead
3: I I uh I would be curious to hear your thoughts. <laughs> they yeah. kind of always throw out a few I think they throw out a few uh pity votes to the or p- pity invites to the uh the, uh, the athletes. I think corner lacrosse always has one. I mean these are like people that are changing the world in this group and they're like all unbelievable and then they throw a lacrosse player in the mix and I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what goes on because I think I didn't You're not an I active member
1: whole, right now of this I, I didn't make a whole
3: lot of didn't make a whole lot of inroads, but I mean, like I said, it's full of really incredible people who are who are changing the world, and so again, just uh, yeah, 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 honored to be part of that group. And is this? I got a, Don- like, a question for Don. Yeah. I get a question for Donville. Why are you at Cornell this year? I graduated. Like, all this Cornell love. Aren't I, you? Aren't you doing one more year?
2: I graduated. I'm out. I wouldn't let you come back. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out like academically. Um, wasn't really anything for me to do masters wise. And then, uh, last spring I decided to like stay enrolled and, and stay in school instead of taking the semester off. So that was kind of like the big decision to like be in or out. Uh, and then they ended up changing the rules at the last second, where some of the guys could go back. Uh, but there's, uh, academically it didn't work out. So that was kind of the, the, uh,
3: the decision there. I love would that. Put him, to, him
0: on the fucking hot seat there. Would have, loved,
3: <laughs> would have loved to see him and curse to curse together. I think you guys would have uh, made some noise.
2: Yeah, we actually scrimmaged them in the fall, which was a uh, interesting was experience. But
3: I was um, there. I saved my son's life actually. Yeah, uh, Logan Winiskus, Winiskus, Winiskus tried to kill him. He shot a I I was standing in the corner, and Logan Winiskus shot a ball, and I was like, "Oh, if that misses the net, that's coming right at us," and it was coming right at my son's head. <laughs> chicken winged it best athletic play i've ever made
0: wow you're maybe a bit of a goalie future now you can do the reverse
3: paulie <laughs> oh i play basement you know basement hockey and lacrosse i'm the goalie quite a bit in there for first <laughs> <laughs> just slowly working my way back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think so all right i it. think
0: I, I we got to get I I need to hear these Boston stories, man. So I don't know, Paulie. I'm here to, for the
3: I'm here for the Boston
1: Blazers stories. Yeah. That's All right. right. It, is, I, I guess it starts in New York, right? Yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's start because start we'll start from yeah we'll start from the NLL because when I was looking, I was trying to figure out, and again, it's just terrible memory. But like, you got drafted 13th overall, first rounder. So like, that's that's pretty good. So, um, take us through that, like. Were you talking to teams? You know you're going first round. Where was the draft? Kind of how all that went down. Because are funny.
3: I rode an elevator when I was like 10 years old at a hockey tournament and, and never had heard of Box Across. And I was in an elevator at the Adams Mark Hotel. I think you all are very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. And, and that night in of- that <laughs> speaking
1: of dead rats, yes. Yeah, speaking yeah. of dead rats and stories that you can't tell, Walking Adam's right
3: there. Yeah. And and so I'm in the elevator, and we're going to the Bandits game that night. It's gonna be my first box cross game, and there's a guy in a suit. And my dad's like, "I think that's a player. Introduce yourself." So I'm like, "Hi, I'm Mitch. I'm coming to see your game. What's your name?" He's like, "I'm John Tavares." No way. Fast forward, you know, 15 years later, the guy's back cutting me to score score game winning goals. <laughs> And then last night I'm talking to him on, uh, on a coach's call before the, before the Buffalo riptide game. So it's all coming full circle, but uh, no, in terms of, I had no idea what box was, you know, growing up and then started to know a little bit about the NL in college. And some guys had gone on to play from Cornell, but never really had like been like, I'm going to pursue box, even the MLL yeah. at that time. I was like, I didn't really know. I was so focused on that 2007 season, um, but they actually did a combine with the draft and it was the coolest thing. So we would, they, they flew everyone out to Denver. We did, it was, it was grueling. We did like four or five sessions on the field. We did a beep test. We did all this stuff. And then we played like two games. And I don't think I've ever been more sore. My feet were like one giant blister, but I had a ton of fun and I learned a lot and, um, and was pretty successful. I think I, again, just grinded it out there and, and, Adam Mueller was coaching at New York and kind of had this hybrid Canadian, Canadian American thing going. And I guess saw the potential in me. And, and the 13th overall first round pick was complete shock. I, when they called me, I was like, what? That that's, there must be some kind of mistake. Um, and Jordan Hall was actually drafted, I think, either first or second overall in that draft.
1: Went, yeah, that was he went first in New York. That was their first ever draft pick. Yeah, yeah
3: yeah so it was him me and then um we had like like vino you know, was in net um and then we had the orsons we had uh or sorry john orson we had the the pisers um, ryan boyle casey powell uh it was just an awesome group of guys pat merrill was on that team
0: mm-hmm.
3: so just a great group of guys and like i think you know i again all these things are such a mix of like just lucky circumstances where I had coaches that that taught me the game. I had teammates that were like, I'll show this American how to do it. And we had training camp in Rahway, New Jersey, this like real dump of a town. And I remember driving out there and being like, what am I doing? And, but having a blast and, um, yeah and then i was like hooked after that that first game there's like a a story of people that were were there i like literally ran my very first shift we're in portland playing against dan and the lumberjacks which best one of the best logos and team uh, teams out there i like ran jumped over the boards didn't even like swing my leg like jumped up onto the boards and sat in the bench i go this is awesome (laughs) so i took a lot of shit for that for a couple years
1: (laughs) Like who brought the fan onto the bench? <laughs>
3: this is my whole life as a fantasy camp. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh, all right. And then so then obviously two seasons in New York, Boston comes in. You an expansion pick then? Yes. Yep.
3: Yeah. So I didn't. Okay. So Eddie came in to take over the riptide and didn't protect me. And then New uh, Boston picked me up and and we we're off to the races with the uh and If we finally get to the Blazers stand here,
1: yeah. Well, then, then here it is. So, first year because I, I didn't get, I didn't get picked. I am getting traded. So I think they picked Peter Veltman, and then Were you so my brother San Jose. Yeah. So yeah. So my brother gets picked. Uh, they gotta have all the expansion draft, and then I did not get picked. I got unprotected, but I didn't get picked. So I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Anyways, brother's there, so I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's talking about because you guys are kind of down there doing your thing. Blah 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 blah. blah kind of drumming up some support. And uh then I get traded and then it's like yeah it's you know great setup I got this house got these you know three apartments downtown you know uh little Italy North End and Boston. but you get put into the blazers then. so I didn't
3: I didn't get put in there. I found the blazers then I was like there. <sighs> Like looking at apartments, looking at houses, and I found this place. Was, this is it. We gotta get this. I don't care what the price is. Like, I remember pitching it to Doug Refu. Remember Doug being oh, like, "Oh yeah, we gotta get this place. Like, this place is walking distance from the garden. It's perfect."
1: And what he I,
3: I would love to hear your description of, <laughs> of what perfect looked like. Yeah. Um, well, he, he was he was in. I mean, the price and it it was like it. He was kind of. Destiny. The Blazers Den was was the den of destiny. It was yeah. was meant to be. It was the Price is Right, and it was so close. And then all those other apartments kind of fell into line in in uh, like you said in the North End. So it was we had like three apartments within two blocks of each other.
1: Yeah, which was which was amazing. Again, like you say, we we're we we're like stolen throw from the Garden. And anyway, so so we kind of explained the. I think we explained the Blazers Den the one time with Rosie. But like you're talking row of industrial buildings, essentially. And then all of a sudden there's just a house that's 12 to 15 feet wide in the middle, just with a door. Like you kind of, if you blink, you would miss it, but it was like five stories, right? Like it was it's four or five stories. Like It was tall.
3: It would generally look like a row house it had like been yeah. pulled out of the row, helicoptered in and dropped between like an office building and like a kitchen supply company. <laughs> <laughs> But the best part was it had a parking lot for the kitchen supply company adjacent. And we got the bright idea that they were leaving it open at some point. And we got the idea like, oh, we could charge for parking in this parking lot during Celtics and and, uh, Bruins games. So we went like a couple of weekends. We were charging like 25 bucks a car and putting like 20 cars in there. So we we're making a couple hundred bucks on the weekends, and then the owner of the parking lot found out and he freaked out. They put a big padlock on it, and that ended our income source pretty quick. But <laughs> we had we had a nice gravy train rolling there for a couple of weeks. Triple
1: and tripling the rookie salary back <laughs> <laughs>
3: They probably made more doing that parking hours. Yeah.
1: Well, you made more. Well, it makes sense because you made more, the boys made more. You were the only guy in that house making money because it was it was four rookies and yourself. So, you had Rosie Nick Rose, Johnny Harnett, Maddie Lyons, Nick Cotter, and then yourself. That was the five in the Blazers then, right?
3: That was awesome. Nick Cotter's room was literally, and I'm, I, I say literally in the literal sense of the word, was literally the width of a twin bed. So, and no door. So, you walk up the stairs, there's a doorway, you maybe two, three feet inside. So, you had like a tiny little dresser, and then you dive into the bed. <laughs> no one either side. It was he hung a Canadian flag it's his door. That was the door. Rosie's room. You had to walk through his room to get to the bathroom. The only bathroom on that floor. Oh. Um, lions. Lions in my room was on the roof, and it was like I think the ceilings are like six feet tall. You know, I'm not a tall guy. I'm five ten, but like six feet. That's right at the edge. So yeah, this place is like a fun house.
1: Well, speaking of fun house, I mean. Take us through, I mean, after pretty much every Boston Blazers home game, you know, West End, Johnny's are the greatest bar, then then back to the old Blazers then. Um, you got You got one story or like one night that kind of sticks out as far as like an after part or anything that sticks out from from those nights of the Blazers then?
3: Ironically, it's actually like post Blazers that, uh, that sticks out the most. The final four 2009 was in Boston and uh, and most of the guys had moved out, but Cornell was playing in it. So Cornell played on Saturday and all my Cornell teammates and buddies and friends came and, and like came into the house because everyone had moved out. And so there's like nothing but mattresses in the place and there's no furniture. And we have like 20 guys like squatting in there. And Cornell wins the Final Four game again. They smoke Virginia, and you know we've got we throw a rager. There was like a who's who of lacrosse world. Like Junior was there, Sean Williams was there, and uh, I'm, I've i heard like stories to this day of guys being like, "Oh yeah, I was there. Oh yeah, I was there." <laughs> yeah. like guys all around the league, or at this anyone who was at the Final Four that played lacrosse ended up coming to that party. Um, Dan Kozielewicz, who's like a Princeton legend, he fell. I saw him fall over the over the there was like a little table that was maybe the only furniture we had fell face first on the floor and the next morning I came down he that was the same position yeah he was in (laughs) (laughs) just
0: (laughs) slept there literally stayed there
3: all night um but yeah that (laughs) was that was like you know one of the most fun weekends and then and then cornell loses in that crazy 2009 game all my friends leave and we have to move out of blazer's den so it went from like the highest of highs to the most depressing of lows that memorial day monday
1: oh uh, dude and then like in that first year boston the one thing like you, you're talking before like yeah there's no cameras and stuff but you you my brother and me a little bit like we're the original content cowboys, man, making videos in Boston, doing shit. I meant to I meant to go online,
3: it still exists somewhere. Oh, dude, I,
1: I did a deep dive like a month ago. All the videos are still there. Yeah, we
3: did, we did good work. We did good work. The dance one with you, you were the star of the show, and the dance one Rosie crushes it in the super bad knockoff. Yeah. We gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta see if we can get those in the into the features at halftime during these NL games.
1: Seriously bring it all back, man. But um just like you were working for the team. Kind of just take us through like just doing everything first year team again, living in the Blazers Den with a bunch of crazy Canadians while well, just the whole team's crazy and then just kind of doing all that stuff too.
3: Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean we we we're doing like a school program. So I think, did you ever come out to that? I know Dan did a couple yeah, a the, of those the lead, right? The lead. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lacrosse education.
1: A and D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never really <laughs> took off, but we, no, yeah, surprise, excited.
3: surprise, surprisingly it didn't roll off the tongue. Uh, so we would go out to schools and introduce, and a lot of times we went to like rougher areas like Dorchester and some of the lower income areas. And, uh, and we would kind of show them a video put on the gear we'd bring a kid up and put on put on the box gear and talk about the rules and the kids loved it um and give them some tickets i don't think we were hitting the exact target demographic we were looking to get out to the to fill to fill the old garden but uh but we had a ton of fun doing that and then we were i was thinking back to that remember that maroon we had like a 15 passenger van that we oh, would yeah. take to practice it was part at the gardens we'd all walk over it'd be like 10 degrees out we'd walk over scrape the ice off of it pile into the van drive 30 minutes to the suburbs for practice hit up a uh, cheesecake factory on the way back and and uh, yeah those are those are uh, those are good times man that was a lot of fun
1: that gary binning
3: gary binning i thought about gary binning the other day
1: he actually that's so funny say, he messaged me today just like randomly out of the blue this guy is like a er surgeon now Lomi. And he was he was just playing, just he was buying a couple years, just living the dream. Then he went, he moved to Seattle, and he's like a ER surgeon. He was five six,
3: five six hundred and forty pounds. India, I think he's Indian.
1: Yep, just
3: awesome. One of the one of the most positive guys you could ever be around. I remember, I think was he, we we one time we had it, we found a rat, uh we caught a rat at the Blazers' den, and I'm I'm talking like. A rat, like a real cat sized rat. And so we put in a pizza box. And every time a guy would come over that day, be like, hey, you want some pizza? Go grab it. And I remember Gary Benning, Gary Benning came, opened the pizza box. He ran and jumped. I thought it maybe been to Polly's arms, literally jumped like a little child into, <laughs> into someone's arms. Yeah, that's a Blazers down. Rats, rats just kind of. Rats follow me around as well. I was gonna
0: say it sounds like you just live. With, <laughs> it's just rats wherever you go now.
3: I've, I've made a big improvement here in New Jersey. <laughs>
0: this, yeah, pumped up the suburbs there. Glad we're glad you're settled in there with a ER yard and everything. But, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Was it what else? Do you have like a backup story on this West End Johnny's polly saying he basically kickstarted making it cool going to West End Johnny?
1: No, it was Mitch most likely. All right, here we go. I said us but okay. I'll give it to Mitch. He <laughs> <I, I
3: can't laughs> was the mayor I of Boston. Take, I can't take credit for that but we we the Blazers made it famous. I I will say and and maybe we didn't make it famous but we were there right at the we were we were there before it was cool. We were straight up hipster in it and and uh Johnny Karen, still I still text with him every now and then the, the owner um I got to check in on Johnny by the way. He uh but he was he was awesome. He treated us great and we we treated him well and it was yeah we brought the party there all the time and i mean it that place is even now it's got lines around the block i think so and he's got two
1: places now
3: yep yep that and that place uh uh, reggae brunch i will also i will go on record as support reggae brunch is maybe better than the nights out at johnny's it's a close (laughs) toss-up
1: speaking i just just came into mind speaking of reggae brunch so one day we, we go there so Basically, the way it worked in Boston is, you know, we, we'd go out, go back to the Blazers. Then we'd go to West End Johnny's Blazers. Then after party, wake up, then go hit reggae brunch, start up a Sunday fun. Day. It was a that was a big thing in the Boston Blazers days, Bubba Derno and a bunch of us would go uh, Kevin Ross and do the Sunday fun. Day. Anyways, the one day we go to. uh reggae brunch and we're ordering red stripes and blah blah again get it, get it fired up and uh, johnny comes over and he's like hey uh you guys is mitch coming and we're like no he's got something to go on he, he, either a girlfriend or something he, he's not coming he's like well he, he left his card here last night his his visa and we're like oh really he's like <laughs> like hey do you mind us so anyways we're like as a joke do you mind if you put this whole reggae brunch on his credit card. Oh, fuck. So he's like, yeah, no problem. So <laughs> the boys just the boys digital just, security, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The boys just abuse it, but I think we may have paid you back. I don't know if we fully paid you back, but yeah, we had a nice Sunday fun day <laughs> at Johnny's on the side. Of, I still uh, still have not financially recovered from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be in a bigger house in a nicer
3: part of Jersey right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it might have been the 27 beers Bubba Derno drank, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I just remember that one. It was pretty funny. So then obviously a couple more years in Boston. Um, second year is pretty fun too. And then that third year I leave, you're still there, right? You play three years in Boston? <sighs> it
3: sounds right. Yeah, I stayed until the end. Until the bitter yeah. end. yeah, I went down yeah. the ship.
1: Because when I looked, yeah, when I looked up the stats, I said, because I was trying to think, I'm like, I thought maybe you left, like, when I got traded, but yeah, so they fold, you obviously get picked up by many. Yep.
3: Yep. Picked up in the dispersal draft by Minnesota, and I just started dating a girl from St. Paul, actually. So it's kind of a strange timing thing. Who is now
1: yeah. my wife? Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say I don't know where you want us to go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I was trying yeah, to no. figure out a follow up question. I'm like, well, <laughs> well
1: and I, I, I mean, worked out. Worked. Out. One yeah. of the, one of the funniest things is it, one last thing in Boston, and we won't touch too much on Mitchie's love life, but the girl he was seeing at the at one point in Boston was a Boston Celtics cheerleader, and uh I had a bunch of friends come down. They're actually my sister's friends, and the one guy was like. Uh, again he used to like write blogs so anyways he came down to boston for this weekend and and wrote this hilarious blog about and one of the funniest things is he's they came back to the blazers then so he's writing this blog and he's like they were like i hate to say it they're probably 35 36 at the time like my age (laughs) me and Mitchie's age but anyways they're here they're watching them you know he's like there's girls and guys coming at various stages. of dress. and we got Celtic cheerleaders. We got Boston Blazers cheerleaders. And I remember the next day I get a call from, from whatever her name was. She's like, Hey, my captain of the Celtics cheerleaders, did your friend write a blog about, about us last night? I'm like, I don't think so. And as was, I messaged her guys like, yeah, yeah. I wrote this blog and I read it and I was like dying laughing, but she's like, yeah, you got to take out that the Celtics cheerleaders were there. We're all in trouble, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's like Jesus. Big but, time,
3: big time sports. When big time sports meet the lacrosse world.
1: Yeah, That's, we were we were big what, deals.
0: You guys were fuck you guys were making YouTube videos and hanging out with bloggers. You were like 15 years ahead of your time.
1: And Celtics cheerleaders. Come on now.
3: Yeah. We're yeah, born yeah. in the yeah. wrong decade here. Yeah, college. seriously.
1: And and Boston Bruins too. We we hung with a couple of Boston Bruins here and there. Yeah, we were, you know, whatever. <laughs> Not a big deal. We ran that um, city yeah
3: into or the ground we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately the fans did not fall
1: um fuck we're off the rails. so you yeah. remember
3: do you remember the do you remember the the party we had in the so the office was was the the blazers office was actually the uh the brother of t- tim armstrong on the team he was like the he was a like major executive at google and then was the head of yahoo most recently might still be uh, um, his brother owned like a finance company in Boston, so we shared an office with them. And one night we had a party at the at the office. We were playing quarters, and we we're like, you know, having a great time. And the next day we walk in, it was like a twenty thousand uh, dollar conference room table they had just ordered that we were playing quarters on, <laughs> just covered in dings. <laughs> Do you remember that? Paul? Oh, I think yeah. that was the beginning. that was the beginning of the end right there.
1: Dude, I I told I think I told that story like a couple couple pods ago, and I I said the exact same thing. I'm like that was like that was the omen of like how the Boston Blazers were gonna go. We ruined this this financials guy like like you said twenty thousand dollar table. I just remember Doug being like, yeah, that wasn't good. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> the table's just like ruined. Oh man. Um. All right, back on the rails. So, boss, you go Boston. Many spent your last five years. Many then the georgia did you were you on the team they took down the championship
3: yep that was my last year yeah
1: i went out on top George Costanza style so with that being said that was kind of the next question what what was that decision to hang them up because again i think physically and all that stuff again like we've touched on it enough like you know, you're obviously one of the most fit guys and work ethic, stuff like that. So what was kind of the decision to be like, hey, this this is it like that championship or kind of what was that? So my now five year old was born on the very
3: first game. We actually played the rush. The first opening game of the season was his birthday. It was January 6th, 2017. Um, and so I was in the I didn't go to that game. I was in the hospital and then we had that run and it was it was ama- it was amazing and we won the championship and i think you know it's a lot as you know like traveling when you have a, a wife and a small child like it's it's a lot and it's a big sacrifice not just for you but for your family and and your wife and i think i was just uh, i had i had a great run and i was like you know if we make an uh, I'm also a role-playing stay-at-home defenseman I'm not they're not going to miss me too much so I was kind of like you know I, I don't know that we're going to build this dynasty here and if we do I'm not going to be missed that much if they keep going so I, I felt like it was a good time for me to to kind of take a take a step away and spend more time with my family and um, it's just it's just a lot and I think I was I had a I had no regrets I, I had like I had gotten the fun of being part of an expansion program with the Blazers and had the experience that I had in New York. It's like, and then I won a championship. Like you can't ask for a better ending and having such a good run. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to, to risk anything. Why not go out on my own terms and feel really great about it. And um, you know, I think was there stuff I missed for sure, but that's where the broadcasting thing has been such a cool bridge to stick around the sports, stick around the guys and not, and not feel like I got hit by a truck every game.
0: Was that the, did you retire from the MLL the same,
3: same year? I did one more MLL season um, with it being, I I was playing in Boston and it was just pretty easy to get up there. And it's a little bit less taxing on both the body and the travel. So um, I was like, I'll give it one more year. And then after that year, I was, my wife was pregnant with our, with our second. And I was like, okay, I think this is it for me for playing.
0: You heard it here first, Belial, just said, indoor's tougher than outdoor. Clip it, put it <laughs> out, I pump bet. it out to the masses.
3: <laughs> I, I, I won't even hide that. I'll stand by that. I'll, I'll stand by that statement. It's, uh, it's, it's a different, it's a whole different game. But I, at the end of ML games, I felt like I could play another one, you know, that day, the end of an ML game, when you had back-to-backs, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to play again.
1: Would it? would you like more? would you like playing more? That is a trickier question.
3: I think, I mean, honestly, it's like to play in Buffalo in front of 18,000 people is like, there's nothing like that in the world. And then, and then at the same time to play in Boston on a summer night in front of, you know, we would get 10,000 people at Harvard stadium. Like that was a pretty cool experience too, at the heyday of the MLL. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was, I always have said, it's kind of a political answer, but like to be able to do both is, is pretty cool. And they're so different um, and it's like – it's a, just a different lifestyle and I think being able to do both is something that a lot of guys get to do and it's, it's a lot of fun. And it makes me – makes you appreciate the other one that much more too.
0: Those uh, those Boston fans are were not nice
3: either.
0: <laughs> Dude, I played one of my
3: – Ball busters.
0: One, one of my only two games, um, the second of my two and final, I played and I – obviously like I'm coming off first year – with the Nighthawks, like I'm playing just this weekend. Cause they don't have guys. Cause that was when you guys were doing your run to the championship, I think would have been 17. So like Mackie um, ran again, those guys were not playing for the, for the rattlers. So, I played no name bar on my jersey so I'm standing <laughs> and I'm that is just target central right like 57 number 56,
3: 56.
0: yeah uh, I was lucky I stole number 4 but it had no name bar on it and they're like giving it to me like asking how much I paid to jump on the sideline like does coach even know I'm here like was was I the equipment manager and just stole an extra pair of gear and I was like you know what I don't know if this field lacrosse stuff's for me anymore
3: but, <laughs> yeah there's no but- glass to separate the fans uh- uh, like there is in, in the uh, box.
0: Yeah, it feels like they're right behind your head, just leaning over that big wall. But that was—that's cool. That is a cool stadium to play in,
3: though. That the, the Harvard, Harvard on a summer night, like packed house. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a cool environment.
1: Yeah, I'm Boston. Will always have a soft spot in my heart. Speaking of like uh, Boston people being like nice, there was this world famous like pizza place near near like all in the North End called Regina's Pizza. And uh, the one day, like probably again, like a Sunday fun day, it's like, Hey, let's order some Zaws, right? They're having beers. Okay. Yep. I'm like, give me the number. I get the number. And uh, I call and it's like someone's grandma answers the phone, but like a mean grandma. She's like, what do you want? <laughs> I'm like, mean uh, grandma. I'm like, uh, I like cut off guard. I'm like, I, I like to order a couple of pieces. She's like, yeah. Okay. they will be ready in five minutes <laughs> and hung up the phone. And I was like, and then they're like, Pauly, did you order the pizzas? I'm like, yeah, I think I did. I'm like, I don't know what I ordered, though. She just told me to be ready in five minutes. And hung up. I'm like, I don't know if we're getting pepperoni cheese or what. Just that was it. (laughs) And then like, so then I go and like show up and they were ready. I think they were just cheese pizzas. But I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, yes. Not a lot of patience in the North End. Yeah no but uh yeah that was funny so the and then again it's kind of to tie it all in like you say you make the jump into the booth and you know you're doing the colors. so how did that all kind of come about
3: yeah just another story of just kind of people that that have supported me and gave me great opportunities and john arlotta actually called me up he's one of the the owners of the swarm and he he was like i would love to keep you involved you know i would know you retiring but would love to keep you involved and have this opportunity to do color commentary for our home games um and i was like yeah you know maybe i'll consider it it's still a long trip to to, um, to down to georgia and he's like you know you can fly in the day of the game and fly out first thing in the morning so you you know you're gone 12 hours 14 hours whatever and i was like, all right i'll give it a try and i did it and i loved it and it was like i said it's like you get to still be around the game you get to talk to the coaches the players guys that, that i knew and you know i i what i do in my day-to-day job i help run trilogy lacrosse we do a lot of coaching and teaching and i enjoy that aspect of, of teaching the game and so this is kind of a, a perfect situation i get to talk lacrosse i get to follow up with my buddies and, and like i said i don't get cross-checked or meet tender eyes like you're doing a poor john again at the end of the uh <laughs> the game i texted i
1: texted
3: randy i was like how's your shoulder feeling buddy <laughs>
1: dude i was i mean obviously we know i have a bit of a temper but <laughs> i was dying laughing i was gonna respond um and i shouldn't say this but i was gonna respond on on our social media like i be interested to see if rannigan becomes on Backlit liberal i was gonna say that's how we ask all our guests it's just to ask him <laughs> he kept saying no just beautifully says yes
3: i love it meat tenderizer yeah <laughs> get that thing medium yeah. rare yeah
1: I just, I just didn't want him to beat me wide. That's all I was just making keeping my guy <laughs> in front of that cross-check
3: zone. You got to keep him out of there. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. inter-
0: I'm kind of interested. In what goes like you're kind of you talked about you've talked about a couple times, mentioned a couple times, like talking to the coaches and stuff like that. Like, is your preparation for a broadcast, you know, equally if not more strenuous than you would feel kind of watching game film as a player?
1: Yeah. He just texts me and asks me for a guy's number. I gave it to him and then he calls that guy.
3: <laughs> Paulie has been probably is probably my number one source of contact info. Yeah. <laughs> I had to text him for Johnny who's number this week. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I try to do, obviously like, like anything, like if you want to be great at something you try to do, try to over-prepare. So I try to spend a few hours every night of, you know, researching guys and, with the guys I know, it's really easy. And the swarm is like, I love covering the swarm because at least until this year, maybe I knew all of them. Now I know probably three quarters of them. Um, and, and each team has guys that I've played with or against for a long time. So that helps, but I want to make sure that I'm telling, telling the right story and have their stats. Right. And also it's like, it makes it easier when you feel like you know the team and you know, their tendencies and what they're trying to do, that makes it much easier to talk about them. So just like anything, you want to be knowledgeable. I, I don't make a whole lot of political, arguments because i'm not super knowledgeable about that i can make a lot of nll arguments because i i played the game for a long time and know a lot of the guys and um, and enjoy talking about it so i think you know it's it's maybe not quite as intense as preparing for a game but but it's different it's like it's more of just learning about the guys i don't know about learning more about you know what they do and what makes them tick and, and then obviously a lot of it's just straight up memorization of stats and how guys are doing and um and how teams have been doing but it's fun i mean it's enjoyable it makes it it's kind of like fantasy right fantasy fantasy football or whatever it's like you're more invested in it so you pay more attention you pay more attention so it's more enjoyable to follow the storylines so you know knowing kind of some of the ins and outs and behind the scenes stuff is, is pretty cool and gotten definitely some more dirt on guys which has been cool
0: are you are you going to drop back of the bird on the next espn broadcast or
3: what I don't know. That's that's gonna cost. Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll be. See, I'll see. I'll see you Saturday morning, and I'll get the. I'll get the payment ready to go. Not to worry.
3: For every brown paper bag on market bills, please. <laughs> yeah. One blazer. One blazer's den story that I I I did take. I had. You know. I don't. One thing I'm really bad at is correlating dates with memories. Like oh, my wife always, my wife always makes fun of me. She's like, "You're like, it could be like last week or five years ago, and you don't know the difference." <laughs> oh, I'm the same way, man. <laughs> and but but there is one story that I is probably the funniest thing. And and you know, you guys always give Dan a hard time, but the, the story you told about him being like, "Oh yeah, they like fighters." Uh, about about when you were when you were playing oh, goalie yeah. in juniors, or was it? I don't know if it was senior, your first year, senior, A, but like that him the more serious he is the more you know he's messing with you and like i can just see him being like oh they really like fighters paul you gotta <laughs> go out and show them. but that had me dying so it reminded me of I, do you remember matt holman you remember him he lived with yeah, you guys Spice for
1: like
3: two months <laughs> so do you remember the do you remember the practical joke <laughs> that we played on him the first
1: week he was there I, so I don't think I was there yet, but I think I remember my brother telling me, but I, again, speaking of memory, I don't think I'll remember. (laughs) But Oh no, no, I do. No, I do remember. It It has nothing to do with his bed. Right. So he had been waiting for a bed for like three weeks,
3: three weeks. And finally the bed comes. It's like in the package and we're like, Oh, we'll set it up for you. Don't worry about it. So we take the bed and we take the box spring and actually put the box spring upside down on top. So, you know, the box spring is like hard on one side, but then the underneath is like hollow with like that paper under it. Yeah. And then, and then, and then we make up the bed with like covers and comforters and it, it was like straight out of a movie. He couldn't have been more excited. He like runs in the house, he sees it and he just, jumps as high as he can to belly flop <laughs> straight through the paper, face first onto the, like how he didn't dive right in the middle, thank God. He would have broken his nose for sure, but he was just full belly flop through the paper, face down, <laughs> rolling around. That was like, that was like the epitome of the Blazers days right there. Oh my God.
0: He is, a, it is so true with Dan too. Like I'm just picturing him, the amount of times I've gotten calls from unknown numbers and <laughs> And like I like the amount I've been traded probably six or seven times by Dan <laughs> Dawson pretending to be a GM in the league, being like, okay, like we like your game, we wanna see you know how you'd fit in, like if you're interested. And he's like, but, but you're gonna have to take a salary cut. And like, <laughs> like, and he'll go on for so long. And I, 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 Pauly, I don't know if there's other stories again for, you know, maybe one day we'll get him on. But like, he used to tell me these stories of prank calls. Like he'd have guys on the phone for 35, 40 minutes, like just talking like, and, and more and more serious. Right. And he gets all slow and he's like looking you in the eye. It's too funny.
1: We had uh, I was part of one with them. We had Blaine Manning on the phone for about 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> um, he was coaching like minor minor lacrosse in Oakville so he called as like the president of like Oakville minor lacrosse and was like grilling Blaine on like if he was doing like shady shit behind the screen <laughs> and like was talking about he's gonna get the IRS involved like are you making kids pay are you taking like payments under the, and like he had him going for like half hour and we, re- we recorded the whole thing the one time it was it was hilarious man there's he's got a couple we will get him on at some point i guess but he's got there's one other legendary one that i, I, I can't say that he'll tell that involves patty Marilyn it's it was like right place right like this was like wasn't planned he just was right place right time they used to be like neighbors in Oakville and uh i'll, I'll we'll get him on he'll tell a story but it's one of the funniest stories like because if it happened to you you would just be like completely in a mental pretzel but we that's how you that's
3: how you that's how you keep the viewers coming back right there you lead them on yeah. the story like ah but you got to come back to hear here that was an two. absolute
0: cliffhanger
3: that's <laughs> fucking,
0: that's good movie making right
3: there
1: we're getting good at this podcast thing podcast
3: 101
1: thing. Yeah. yeah i read a book
3: so what's um, the what's your trap what's the travels like are you you do every do you do every espn game of the week is that right so, yeah, I've, been, I've done all the NLL game of the weeks, which has been uh, Denver was the first one and then the rest have been a little bit closer to home Two Philly and then one Rochester. The next one's in um, Georgia and then Buffalo. And then there's two Panther City, another Buffalo and a New York. So New York one will be at home and then the Panther City one. So hopefully hopefully I'll, I'll be on for those. That's down in Dallas. It'll be a lot of fun or Fort Worth. But yeah. So those are like, those are like twice a month typically. And then, and then the Riptide games are once to twice a month. Riptide's about an hour drive for me. So that's not bad. Nice.
1: So you're doing, you're doing one, you're doing one every weekend though, essentially you're still doing like a full gambit every Pretty weekend. much one a weekend.
3: Yeah. But for the Riptide ones, a nice thing, I, you know, I leave, leave my house at four and I'm home by yeah, 11 p.m. Traveling. Yeah.
1: It's just like going yeah. to a job. How did how did that ESPN thing come about? Like who who approaches you for that? That like Sakavic, is that like who who approached you for that?
3: Joel Feld is the is kind of the head of, of media for the NLL. Okay. And and so um I I reached out to him. i was like, "Hey, I'd love I'd love an opportunity at this." And and it worked out in Denver and kind of was like almost like a trial run and then have been able to to continue on. So hopefully I'll be on for the rest of the moment looking looking forward to that and you know this is I think this is something that could hopefully as the league grows and as the the footprint on tv grows like it could turn into a bigger and bigger opportunity I think for for more guys and, and hopefully for myself as well
1: oh 100% man well like I, I think for sure and I think man you're doing you're You've always been a well-spoken guy, obviously 1400 on the SATs, you know, slouch, but, uh, and I think you're doing a great job, man. And and you've been awesome on the broadcast.
0: Yeah. but I, And one, I got one challenge for you though. And I was thinking about this right when we, right when we thought about pulling you on. And now that the word has been decided, can you please try and use juxtaposition? (laughs) I was was just going to say
3: juxtaposition of the back of the bird. I need
0: that. I need you to try to use that this weekend.
3: Crap! Alex Krebensek was texting me, trying to get me to trying to pop words into my broadcast at the end of. Uh, I did a double header. I did a Wings game at noon, and then I did the Riptide game at seven thirty. And so, all the Wings guys were driving back up to, to Canada, listening listening to the Riptide game. And he was texting me, trying to trying to get me to say outlandish <laughs> things. <laughs> the, yeah, juxtap- juxtaposition will be worked in on let's go. On, on Saturday. You Thank can you. believe it.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's it. Donnie, got anything else, buddy?
2: No, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate. It. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: you awesome, guys man. are you guys are crushing it, and I, I legitimately I, I joked, but I mean, there is not a podcast I listen to where I actually laugh out loud like your guys, and like I said, that story about Dan telling you they like fighters and then you <laughs> going out and just probably, I'm like, it is like that. Those are the kind of stories that I mean. That's the part I miss about the league is, is that that hilarious stuff. So you guys are bringing
1: it back. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's just an older brother telling his younger dumb brother something. <laughs> the young dumb brother just believing it. But hey, I did make the team. But it worked <laughs> to out my, to my surprise, they're like, no, we don't care if you fight. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Honestly, like uh, dude, we really appreciate you coming on and love catching up with you man it's been good that we got to reconnect to just like text messaging and stuff and and honestly man you are doing a great job on the broadcast and it's it's great to see former players that we've played with and i've played with like have success like you say man hopefully this league keeps growing and and again the tv footprint and and more guys can be in your position and and making some money doing that right and again staying connected to the game so man good luck and uh keep killing it buddy appreciate you coming on
3: Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to watching you guys play a few more times this season. Beautiful, bro.
0: All right. We'll see you this weekend, buddy.
3: Snow be damned. Hopefully, yeah. no uh, no bomb cyclone comes yeah. through.
0: Yeah, seriously.
3: All right. All right. Later, fellas. Bye, fellas. Okay.
0: Take care. Awesome. Thank you. See you buddy. All right. Shout out to uh, Mitch Belisle there, the Lucky Penny Media. Interview of the week. Great chat. Hilarious stories. I love the like the kind of like more old school stories. The Blazers den stuff is just hysterical. And um pretty cool. Actually, obviously I I mean I didn't know the stories really either out of Cornell. And I think those were uh those are pretty touching, man. It's uh that'll get you that'll get you know some jam behind the team and kind of moving and you know it's very unfortunate, but you know, pulling together is uh is pretty it's a pretty cool story to hear. But
1: yeah i i had i never heard that story which is crazy like i I talked to mitchy obviously you know we're teammates 12 13 years ago but uh you know i talked about him cornell days but that that never got brought up like that's something you would never forget and honestly i had no idea it's kind of it's kind of obviously Donnie, you were going to talk about it but i had no idea that was even a thing like with cornell and and you know excuse my ignorance to Cornell players and, and fans, but I didn't even know that happened at Cornell. Like usually you still kind of hear about that stuff. But I didn't even know that happened. So that was kind of again, it, it was kind of cool, but that took me by surprise when I asked that question. I and mean, we kind of went into, yeah, well, this guy took a shot and died. I was like, oh Jesus, but kind of uh becomes a legacy, you know, a terrible event, but turns into a positive, which is which is kind of cool and crazy. Like that happened at the hill too with that Jameson Kuhlman, too. And kind of the same thing. Like he's a big part of like the Jammer 45 classic, and the number 45 has become a big thing for the Hill. So, you know, very like two similar kind of freak accidents that two programs kind of have, you know, built the foundation on or rely upon to kind of create a culture, which is, which is kind of cool.
2: Yeah. And Mitch mentioned it um, in passing, but uh, his, first son is named george um, yeah and that's I, cool. as far as i know uh, a few other alumni from that era have sons named george too and that's uh it's just a pretty cool way that that his legacy is going to live on
1: so i remember when mitch had his first kid and uh like no disrespect but when he named his son george my dad's name is george so actually my brother's name was supposed to be george but my dad hated the name George. So we just stopped the family. So every firstborn in the Dawson was supposed to be George. My dad just stopped it. He changed his name to his middle name, Joe. And uh, it was so funny. Like even like towards the end of his life, when we were getting like nurses and stuff in, they'd be like, Oh, cause they see his like healthcare. They'd be like, Hey George. And he'd be like, my name's not George. It's Joe. Anyways, when I saw Mitch name, his son, George, I was kind of like, that's an interesting name. Cause it's like such an, old school like name but now it makes total sense and it's actually super cool that he named his kid George so that's yeah. uh, that's super cool
0: really cool um i'm trying to th- is there anything else we want to touch on i'm trying to think before before we wrap it up i think i'm trying to look at the list here i think we're well
1: ready. there's not much but i i i haven't checked the uh twitter mention but uh got suggested to watch the the uh, documentary don't fuck with cats have like, you ever I, seen it yeah dude i watched it like three years ago it is one of the best documentaries of all time but like that's no one clayton i think you just found out about netflix because that <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> like, how you just i was gonna maybe have to chirp him but like how did you just find out about that now dude? yeah must so you must have really got to the end of the watching like the most uh, most
0: recently released stuff because that, that was a. Uh, that was a three-year-old banger, but it is a fucking crazy documentary.
1: Yeah, it's that guy. He was just in the news. He was trying to get his sentence reduced or something. I don't know. He was trying to do something shady behind bars. That Luca McNaughty, But yeah, it's crazy. And the best part of that was, too just the Etabco, the Adibico. I found this gas station, Etabco. <laughs> but But uh, yeah,
0: yeah, too good. All right. Well, I think that does it, boys. We got a bit of a bit of a busy weekend lacrosse-wise here, so. Sit back, get that cottage spring in your hand, watch these games. It's going to be a blast. Um, I and mean, I guess what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Like Peace. A
4: thief in the night, you moved, broke me all apart. There was no sign of you but the holes in my cold heart. And I gave my world to you, and you dragged me through the dark. Like a thief in the night, you played your part.
3: Ooh, ooh, ooh,
4: ooh. Ooh, 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 you were the drug I was, the strength behind your grip. I hated the buzz on your loose the genic trip set myself free and you'd sneak up from behind i was the monster in my mind get out let me go cause i can't do this anymore On my right disguised as love and dressed in white eyes as black as a winter night grab my hand and pulled me in said i'd never walk alone again the beginning of the end Apart. There was no sign of you but the holes in my cold heart. And I gave my world to you and you dragged me through the dark. And I was the monster from the start.